Chapter Fifteen of the Hidden Hand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bridget. The Hidden Hand by E. D. E. N. Southworth. Chapter Fifteen. Cap's Country Capers. A wilful elf, an uncle's child, that half a pet and half a pest, was still reproved, endured, caressed, yet never tamed, though never spoiled. Capitola at first was delighted and half incredulous at the great change in her fortunes. The spacious and comfortable mansion of which she found herself the little mistress, the high rank of the veteran officer who claimed her as his ward and niece, the abundance, regularity, and respectability of her new life, the leisure, the privacy, the attendance of servants, were all so different from anything to which she had previously been accustomed that there were times when she doubted its reality and distrusted her own identity. Sometimes of a morning, after a very vivid dream of the alleys, cellars, and gutters, rag-pickers, newsboys, and beggars of New York, she would open her eyes upon her own comfortable chamber, with its glowing fire and crimson curtains, and bright mirror crowning the walnut bureau between them. She would jump up and gaze wildly around, not remembering where she was or how she came thither. Sometimes, suddenly, startled by an intense realization of the contrast between her past and her present life, she would mentally inquire, can this be really I, myself, and not another? I, the little houseless wanderer through the streets and alleys of New York? I, the little newsgirl in boys' clothes? I, the wretched little vagrant that was brought up before the recorder and was about to be sent to the house of refuge for juvenile delinquents? Can this be I, Capitola, the little outcast of the city, now changed into Miss Black, the young lady, perhaps the heiress of a fine old country seat, calling a fine old military officer uncle? having a handsome income of pocket-money settled upon me, having carriages and horses and servants to attend me. No, it can't be. It's just impossible. No, I see how it is. I'm crazy. That's what I am, crazy. For now I think of it, the last thing I remember of my former life was being brought before the recorder for wearing boys' clothes. Now I'm sure that it was upon that occasion that I went suddenly mad with trouble, and all the rest is a lunatic's fancy." This fine old country seat, of which I vainly think myself the mistress, is just the pauper madhouse to which the magistrates have sent me. This fine old military officer, whom I call uncle, is the head doctor. The servants who come at my call are the keepers. There is no figure out of my past life and my present one except Herbert Grayson. But pshaw, he is not the nephew of his uncle. He is only my old comrade, Herbert Grayson, the sailor lad, who comes here to the madhouse to see me, and, out of compassion, humors all my fancies. I wonder how long they'll keep me here. Forever, I hope. Until I'm cured, I'm sure. I hope they won't cure me. I vow I won't be cured. It's a great deal too pleasant to be mad, and I'll stay so. I'll keep on calling myself Miss Black, and this madhouse my country seat, and the head doctor my uncle, and the keeper's servants, until the end of time, so I will. Catch me coming to my senses, when it's so delightful to be mad. I'm too sharp for that. I didn't grow up in Rag Alley, New York, for nothing." So, half in jest and half in earnest, Capitola soliloquized upon her change of fortune. Her education was commenced, but progressed rather irregularly. Old Hurricane bought her books and maps, slates and copy-books, set her lessons in grammar, geography, and history, and made her write copies, do sums, and read and recite lessons to him. Mrs. Condiment taught her the mysteries of cutting and basting, back-stitching and felling, hemming and seaming. A pupil as sharp as Capitola soon mastered her tasks, and found herself each day with many hours of leisure, with which she did not know what to do. These hours were at first occupied with exploring the old house, with all its attics, cuddies, cocklofts, and cellars, 
then in wandering through the old ornamental grounds, that were, even in winter, and in total neglect, beautiful with their wild growth of evergreens. Thence she extended her researches into the wild and picturesque country around. She was never weary of admiring the great forest that climbed the heights of the mountains behind their house. The great bleak precipices of grey rock seemed through the leafless branches of the trees. The rugged falling ground that lay before the house and between it and the river, and the river itself with its rushing stream and raging rapids. Capitola had become as skillful as she had first been a fearless rider, but her rides were confined to the domain between the mountain range and the river. She was forbidden to ford the one or climb the other. Perhaps if such a prohibition had never been made, Capitola would never have thought of doing the one or the other. But we all know the diabolical fascination there is in forbidden pleasures for young human nature. And no sooner had Cap been commanded, if she valued her safety not to cross the water or climb the precipice, than, as a natural consequence, she began to wonder what was in the valley behind the mountain, and what might be in the woods across the river. And she longed, above all things, to explore and find out for herself. She would eagerly have done so, notwithstanding the prohibition, but Wool, who always attended her rides, was sadly in the way. If she could only get rid of Wool, she resolved to go upon a limited exploring expedition. One day a golden opportunity occurred. It was a day of unusual beauty, when autumn seemed to be smiling upon the earth, with her brightest smiles before passing away. In a word, it was Indian summer. The beauty of the weather had tempted old Hurricane to ride to the county seat on particular business, connected with his ward herself. Capitola, left alone, amused herself with her tasks until the afternoon. Then, calling a boy, she ordered him to saddle her horse and bring him around. "'My dear, what do you want with your horse? There is no one to attend you. Wool has gone with his master,' said Mrs. Condiment, as she met Capitola in the hall, habited for her ride. "'I know that, but I cannot be mewed up here in the old house and deprived of my afternoon ride,' exclaimed Capitola, decidedly. "'But, my dear, you must never think of riding out alone,' exclaimed the dismayed Mrs. Condiment. "'Indeed I shall, though.' "'And glad of the opportunity,' added Cap, mentally. "'But, my dear love, it is improper, imprudent, dangerous.' "'Why so?' asked Cap. "'Good gracious, upon every account. Suppose you were to meet with ruffians. Suppose—oh, heaven, suppose you were to meet with Black Donald. "'Mrs. Condiment, once for all do tell me who this terrible Black Donald is. Is he the evil one himself, or the man in the iron mask, or the individual that struck Billy Patterson? Or—who is he?' "'Who is Black Donald? Good gracious, child, you ask me who is Black Donald? "'Yes, who is he? Where is he? What is he? "'That every cheek turns pale at the mention of his name,' asked Capitola. "'Black Donald! Oh, my child, may you never know more of Black Donald than I can tell you. "'Black Donald is the chief of a band of ruthless desperados that infest these mountain roads, "'robbing mail-coaches, stealing negroes, breaking into houses, and committing every sort of depredation.' Their hands are red with murder, and their souls black with darker crimes. Darker crimes than murder? ejaculated Capitola. Yes, child, yes, there are darker crimes. Only last winter he and three of his gang broke into a solitary house, where there was a lone woman and her daughter, and—it is not a story for you to hear, but if the people had caught Black Donald then, they would have burned him at the stake. His life is forfeit by a hundred crimes. He is an outlaw, and a heavy price is set upon his head." "'And no one can take him?' "'No, my dear, at least no one has been able to do so yet. "'His very haunts are unknown, but are supposed to be in concealed mountain caverns.' 
"'How I would like the glory of capturing Black Donald,' said Capitola. "'You, child? You capture Black Donald? You are crazy.' "'Oh, by stratagem, I mean, not by force. Oh, how I should like to capture Black Donald. There's my horse. Good-bye.' And before Mrs. Condiment could raise another objection, Capitola ran out, sprang into her saddle, and was seen careering down the hill toward the river as fast as her horse could fly. "'My lord, but the major will be hopping if he finds it out,' was good Mrs. Condiment's dismayed exclamation. Rejoicing in her freedom, Capitola galloped down to the water's edge, and then walked her horse up and down along the course of the stream, until she found a good fording-place. Then gathering up her riding-skirt and throwing it over the neck of her horse, she plunged boldly into the stream, and with the water splashing and foaming all around her, urged him onward, till they crossed the river and climbed up the opposite bank. A bridle-path lay before her, leading from the fording-place through a deep wood. That path attracted her. She followed it, charmed alike by the solitude of the wood, the novelty of the scene, and her own sense of freedom. But one thought was given to the story of Black Donald, and that was a reassuring one. If Black Donald is a mail-robber, then this little bridle-path is far enough off his beat. And so saying, she gaily galloped along, singing as she went, following the narrow path up hill and down dale through the wintry woods, drawn on by the attraction of the unknown, and deceiving herself by the continued repetition of one resolve, namely, when I get to the top of the next hill and sees what lies beyond, then I will turn back. She galloped on and on, on and on, on and on, until she had put several miles between herself and her home, until her horse began to exhibit signs of weariness, and the level rays of the setting sun were striking redly through the leafless branches of the trees. Cap drew rein at the top of a high wooded hill and looked about her. On her left hand the sun was sinking like a ball of fire below the horizon. All around her everywhere were the wintry woods. Far away in the direction whence she had come she saw the tops of the mountains behind Hurricane Hall, looking like blue clouds against the southern horizon. The hall itself and the river below were out of sight. "'I wonder how far I am from home,' said Capitola, uneasily. "'Somewhere between six and seven miles, I reckon.' "'Dear me, I didn't mean to ride so far. "'I've got over a great deal of ground in these two hours. "'I shall not get back so soon. "'My horse is tired to death. "'It will take me three hours to reach Hurricane Hall. "'Good gracious! "'It will be pitch dark before I get there. "'No, thank heaven, there will be a moon. "'But won't there be a row, though? "'Whew! "'Well, I must turn about and lose no time. "'Come, Jip, get up, Jip. "'Good horse. "'We're going home.' "'And so saying, Capitola turned her horse's head "'and urged him into a gallop.' She had gone on for about a mile, and it was growing dark, and her horse was again slackening his pace, when she thought she heard the sound of another horse's hoofs behind her. She drew rein and listened, and was sure of it. Now, without being the least of a coward, Capitola thought of the loneliness of the woods, the lateness of the hour, her own helplessness, and Black Donald. And thinking discretion the better part of valor, she urged her horse once more into a gallop for a few hundred yards, but the jaded beast soon broke into a trot, and subsided into a walk that threatened soon to come to a standstill. The invisible pursuer gained on her. In vain she urged her steed with whip and voice. The poor beast would obey, and trot for a few yards, and then fall into a walk. The thundering footfalls of the pursuing horse were close in the rear. Oh, Jip! Is it possible that instead of my capturing Black Donald you are going to let Black Donald or somebody else catch me? exclaimed Capitola, in mock despair, as she urged her wearied steed. In vain, the pursuing horseman was beside her, a strong hand was laid on her bridle, a mocking voice was whispering in her ear, Whither away so fast, pretty one? 
End of chapter 15